Hi, welcome to church today. The message you're about to listen to came from a recent gathering at our church. Be encouraged as you enjoy this message. Hi everyone. Just to say, um, the message I was supposed to give today has already been preached, so it's going to, I tell you, (laughs) thank you, oh bless you Jennifer, has already been preached, so it makes it actually easier, so praise God. Um, Oh, okay. Thank you, Father. Father, we just say thank you. And I just say simply, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, Lord, my Lord, my Redeemer. In Jesus' name. Okay. Um, you know, when we were singing the song as well, um, and we said, um, he's with us through it all. Um, I wanted to speak about Joshua, but the Lord didn't let me, so I'm going to sneak Joshua in. <laughs> uh, he, you know, um, what ministered to me then was um, when the captain of the hosts came to Joshua, and I, I think I was talking about, and he said, and Joshua said, are you with us or against us? And he says, I'm not here on any side. I'm here to lead you. I'm here to take charge. And that's exactly what he's saying to us. You know, after hearing that, he's with us through it all. But he's in charge. Just know that he's in charge. Okay. Um, Genesis 2-7. The whole theme of it is um, some things pulled from Deji, some things pulled from David, some things pulled from pastoral, from everywhere. Um, But... If I was to give it a title, it would be, Do You Know Him? Okay. Genesis 2-7. All scripture, by the way, is um, amplified. Um, I'm being obedient. Uh, Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Then the Lord God formed... I don't know. Oh. Then the Lord... God formed man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath or spirit of life. And man became a living being. We're alive. Why? Because God breathed into us. Um, The first form was made from dust. We were talking about earth today and I was like, do you know what? The same earth here is what we're made of, but hey. But the spirit of God causes things to live. But when his spirit is withdrawn, they die. Psalm 104, verse 29. It says, um, you know, so God gives us life. Okay. But when that breath goes, we die. And it says in Psalm 104, verse 29, you hide your face, they are dismayed. You take away their breath, they die, and return to their dust. But when we go back to Adam and Eve in the garden, I mean, that's what God wants for us, to be able to walk with him, to know him, to fellowship, where there's nothing hidden between us and him, where it's fellowship all the way. Um, 
And we know that they did that because from Genesis um, 3.8, it says, Genesis 3.8 says, They heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool afternoon breeze of the day. So the man and his wife hid and kept themselves hidden from the presence of the Lord God among the trees. They would only hide because they realized something was different. And, you know, um, and so, but we know that in the, you know, from this verse, we realize that they used to happily, he's coming, they're happy, they're excited, God's coming, we're coming to fellowship. Um, and they were able to, you know, I, I sometimes think of it in like face to face with God, you know, hand in hand, walking in the cool of the garden, to, talking about his creation. And then, um, unfortunately, they fell. And Genesis 3.22, um, man fell, was driven out of the garden. And the reason, you know, that he drove them out of the garden was, as in Genesis 3.22, he says, The Lord God said, Behold, the man has become like one of us, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, knowing how to distinguish between good and evil. And now he might stretch out his hand and take from the tree of life as well and eat its fruit. And then he will live in this fallen state forever. So he had to drive them out so that he could redeem them. It wasn't, you know, it, it was his plan all along. Um, and so um, we know that before the foundation of the world, Jesus was already slain. The pl plan was already in place. So um, Jesus did come. And um, before I go to 1, 1 John 5, 11 to 12. Man was in a fallen state when Adam fell. But it changed when Jesus, the second Adam, came. He offers eternal life to all who believe in him. And so 1 John 5, 11 to 12. I'm adding it to well. And the testimony is this. God has given us eternal life. We already possess it. And this life is in his son, resulting in our spiritual completeness and eternal companionship with him. He who has the son by accepting him as Lord and Savior has the life that is eternal. And he who does not have the son does not have that life. Okay, so we have Jesus now. We have the spirit of God. You, you receive Jesus. The spirit of life is in you. The spirit of God, God the creator, his spirit is in you. So the door has opened up for us to become as intimately acquainted with him as Adam and Eve were before the fall. You know, at the beginning of the year when we were going through, when we were doing the fast, um, the life of Enoch came up during that time. And we were, I, and I know um, the prayer team, were, we had, we've been challenged by his life, by Enoch. And, you know, the Bible doesn't say too much about Enoch. Um, but we know he walked with God. And we know God took him. And he, was trans he pleased God and was translated into heaven. What was his life's purpose? Intimacy, friendship. I went through a few translations. You know, what, what were the various words used for Enoch? He walked in close fellowship with. He walked in reverent fear and obedience. 
He had a close, intimate relationship with God. He lived to please. He was in constant touch with God. He faithfully walked with him. He was dedicated, deeply committed to, and he communed with. And, you know, when we did Enoch, it was like, okay, my, my heart was, that's where I want to be. That's how I want to go. Not, not so much the translation, but I want to have all these um, in my life where I'm, I know him. And, I, and um, in our cell group, I, our, I mean, overhead, what we, what we say is we want to know God. We want to know him. Not just, oh, yes, I'm born again, I'm going, I want, we want to know him. Where every day you can hear his voice, you can discern, you can walk with him, you know what to do, you know his strategies. We want to know God. All right. Um, but So my question to us is, how much do we value intimacy with God? Are we hungry to be in that deep friendship with God like Enoch was? Can we come to a place where we please God and know him intimately such that his presence abides with us constantly, guiding us in everything? A place where the secrets of his heart become knowledge to us and we share his secrets. Um, so what do we know already? We know he gave us life. Um, John 5, 21. Um, Just as the Father raises the dead and gives them life and allows them to live on, so the Son gives life to whom he wishes. Okay, we know he's given us life. He was there when you breathed your first breath. He was there when you were formed in, in, in your mom's womb. He was there even before you were formed. He knows, he knows you intimately. Um, Psalm 139 verses 13 to 16. I might not read the whole thing, but it tells you that he formed you in your mother's womb. He knows you. He's, there's a book about you. There's a plan for you. There's so much he, he has already put down, you know, concerning you. It says, um, in your book were written all the days that were appointed for me. And as of when they were written, you weren't even born. Okay. Um, no one truly lives without the Lord. For in him we live, we move, we have our being. And Zoe life is real. It's real. Once you become born again, the life of God is in you, Zoe life, his spirit. And I know that has amazed me in recent times. His spirit, the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is in you, lives in you. The same spirit that created the devil, he created the devil. So if the spirit who created the devil is in me, who is the devil to stand before us? Who is he to frighten us or intimidate us? We have the spirit who created him. And he has given us the power and the authority and the ability to deal with him. Anyway, that was extra. <laughs> so, um, it's not in my notes. That's not in my notes. <laughs> um, okay. So, um, and why did he give us life? 
John 10.10. 10. Um, I'm not reading about the thief. I'm reading the second part. I came, I came that they may have and enjoy life and have it in abundance to the full till it overflows. That's God's desire for every single one of us. To live life in abundance till it's full and till it overflows. But how can we get there? You know, his life in us is actually our purpose. That's our purpose. You know, he calls us to find out. We don't know who we are yet. I tell you, we don't. I know I don't. And that's what we're in pursuit of. Who are we? Who have you created us to be, Lord? Okay, um, so... The only way I can find out who I am and who you, and you can find out who you are is to find out who he is because it says we're created in his image, all right? So finding out who he is and who we are will now bring purpose to us. So when God made Adam, he created him for fellowship, to walk with him in the garden. He didn't create Adam to look after the garden. That wasn't his main reason for creating Adam. It wasn't, okay... I want a gardener. You look after the garden. It was, I want someone to relate to. It was someone to have fellowship with. Okay. Um, the Purpose Driven Life book, Rick Warren, he says our purpose in life is to bring glory to God. Um, another, you know, um, religious book, if I can call it this, Westminster Shorter Catechism states, the chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. Purpose, our purpose is to bring glory to God. But we have assignments through which, you know, we, we, we can achieve this purpose. But purpose is to bring glory to God. Um, John 15, 8. Um, my Father is glorified and honored by this when you bear much fruit and prove yourself, yourselves to be my true disciples. My Father is glorified and honored when you bear fruit. Well, do we bear fruit? How much fruit do we bear? So how much purpose are we fulfilling? Um, Isaiah 43, verse 21 the people whom I formed for myself will make known my praise. That's another reason. That's part of bringing glory to him. You will make known his praise. Okay. Um, John 4, 23. And thank you, Deborah, for worship today. Awesome. Awesome. But a time is coming. And 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 Mike and, and um, Jenny. <laughs> um, but a time is coming, John 4, 23, and it's already here, when true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit, from the heart, your inner self, and in truth, for the Father seeks such people to be his worshippers. We were created to worship God. That's part of bringing him glory. We were created to worship. I think it was Jamie and Leisha who, who have a song. I remember the first time I heard that we were created to worship was, was them singing it. I think it was their song, wasn't it? We were created to worship. And what happens when we worship? What, what happens during worship? What happened just now when, when we broke out at the end? That was 
proper worship, all of us involved. Okay, so what happened to us? You know, in worship, you know, when you look back in the Old Testament, when, 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 they, when it was like they were bringing worship to the Lord, there was always an altar and there was a sacrifice. They would bring as their worship unto the Lord a sacrifice. Animals um, as their sacrifice or um, sometimes um, grain. So they gave something. The people gave something. So what's, what do we bring? What do you bring when you come to worship? What do you lay down? What's your sacrifice when you come to worship? All right, I, I would say, if I can, if you didn't know, maybe I'll give you something you can bring. Bring yourself, lay yourself down. You be the sacrifice. You be the sacrifice. And in that place of worship, allow him. If there's anything that he needs to do in you, he will do it then. Where you come open. Basically, I listened to someone preach yesterday. It, it, it wasn't this, but it's, you come naked like Adam and Eve were. Naked, nothing, nothing hidden, no shame before the Lord. You lay yourself down on that altar. Lord, here I am surrendered unto you if there's anything in me at all that's not pleasing here I am Lord tell me show me that I might willingly leave it on the altar and come away cloaked in the glory of God okay um, Isaiah 43 7 no, he seeks us to worship in spirit and in truth. Truth, nothing hidden. Don't hide anything from the Lord. He sees it all anyway, so why not just openly say, hey, here is Lord. So Isaiah 43, 7, it says, Everyone who is called by my name, who I have created for my glory, whom I have formed, even whom I have made. So, we were created for his glory. Scripture proves it, even though, you know, I read it from some other books. Okay. And Revelation 4.11. You know, when the whole of heaven sing a song together, I think it's, it's, it's we should take note. What are they saying? Revelation 4.11. Worthy are you, our Lord and God, to receive the glory, the honor, the power. For you created all things, and because of your will, they exist, and were created and brought into being. Worthy are you to receive glory, because you created us. All right, and not only that, he's worthy because of the plan he had for us. He's worthy of our worship, and therefore... True worship is, it includes gratitude. It includes, you know, a thankfulness. When we're separated from God, the purpose for which we were created is denied. If you allow anything to separate you, not one day should go by without you being open before the Lord. All of us. Open every single day. Because if you allow an iota of separation to come, I tell you, it, it, it's harder to get back. 
You know, it's so much harder to get back into that place where you sense his presence, where you know he's there, where you can hear his voice, and then you, you struggle for a bit. Um, and I, I wrote here, I said, um, as we fulfill purpose with intimacy with God, you find he gives you an assignment for life. What's your assignment? Some people know their assignment, but they don't really know that the, that the purpose of the assignment is to bring glory to God as well, because, um, you know, um, yeah, various things. Let's, let's take a, a secular job, for instance, like if you are the, um, well, even if you're the um, a teacher, huh? <laughs> I can say that because I was too. So, um, you know, you might say, okay, I'm, I'm teaching in a school. It's not necessarily a, a, a Bible-based school, but, you know, um, that's an assignment. And even there, he calls you. He says, your purpose is to glorify me as a teacher. That's your assignment. Fulfill it well. Teach well. You know, bring the students to great academic achievements, however, you're to glorify me in that place. And because he says, when you bear fruit, then he is glorified. So even no matter what your assignment is, it's his purpose that matters, him being glorified. Okay. So everything flows from the place of fellowship with him. And he has provided all that we need for life. Okay. In our pursuit to know God, you know, you begin to find, um, sometimes he begins to reveal himself. He reveals himself um, through his names. If you check, if you look in the Bible, the things that, um, the names that you find, is because God revealed himself as those names. All right. Um, for example, Jehovah Jireh, which I, you spoke about already today. Um, and, um, you know, even when, and Moses, Moses asked him, when, when um, the Lord said to Moses, I've called you to go and get my people out of Egypt, he says, um, who, who will I say you are? What, who are you? And he says, I am that I am. That was his nature. He didn't, you know, it, that's who he is. I am that I am. Okay. And so basically he was telling um, Moses, who he was, not what he did. It's who he was. And I think that's the first thing for us to know, too, that we need to find out who we are um, before we can do anything. You know, we want to achieve, we want to do exploits. Um, because I, I did say I would mention um, Deji and David. Um, because I think they've taken us down this journey as well. Where did I put it? Okay. Deji, at the beginning of this year, in his words to us, he said um, that the Lord said, I'm going to start taking people to heaven and giving them an experience of heaven that they can come back and testify of what they have seen. Okay, so how do we get to do that? How do we do that if we don't know him, if we're not, you know, intimately acquainted with him? How are we, how are we going to achieve that? And this is what he says we're to do um, that is going to happen to us. And then the second thing, I'm doing it in praise, Deji, forgive me. He says, um, 
There's going to be much dancing with joy in CCF this year because my goodness will really unfold in miraculous ways that raise you to corporate celebrate corporate celebration even in the midst of obvious darkness. So how, how's that going to happen? It's not going to happen if we just, you know, like Pastor Rod said, why do you come to church? Why do we come to church? Because we have to come with an expectation. If God says, I'm going to do this, is he a liar? Does he lie? He's not a man that he should lie. So it, we must come with expectation. However, I go back to David because um, I won't, for, I think it was August last year when David preached or, or taught on a Bible study, he talked about us developing our individual flames. And he says, you, you need to have visited God in the secret place. Your relationship with God must start with you as an individual. In that place, you must have a desire and a hunger to know the Lord, to be with him on a daily basis such that your flame, you know, when, we, when he talks about the flame that we have, it's God's glory on us. It's God's glory upon us. And then you, you come, you're clothed with God's glory. Each one of us has God's glory. Can you imagine when we come together? Of course, there'll be great expectations. There'll be great things that happen in our midst. So, you know, that's, okay, that's, um, yeah, borrowing from that. Um, so, yes. Um, so, we find out who we are first. Um, because he, he told Moses, I am who I am, and then we too must learn to be before we can do anything. Um, so this is what the Lord is saying to us. It's springtime now. Yeah, Start afresh. Let us all leave this place with that decision. Start afresh. New beginnings in intimacy. New beginnings. A, a determination to be intimate with God. It's cut, cut out time with him. Get a set time, a set place every single day. If it means you have to wake up earlier than you do now, do it. It's worth it. Whatever sacrifice you have to make, make it. This isn't, we're not even in a season where we can not do that. You can't. You can't. The world will overtake you and you'll be shocked. We have to be on our toes when it comes to being in that place with the Lord and carrying the flame, carrying his glory. You know, um, <laughs> otherwise you, you want to do the works of God. You want to, to see miracles. You want to see um, God's glory. It won't come. If you haven't visited him in the secret place, it won't come. You pray for the sick and nothing will happen. Because you don't know him and you don't know who you are. And you're not carrying his glory. You're not carrying him on you, in you. You can't hear what he's directing you to do or to say. Um, he says, learn to linger in my presence and come just as you are. I'm not asking you to clean yourself up before you come. Just come the way you are. Come the way you are. I will do the cleaning. I said, and let my life course through you and bring transformation to your mind. Your mindset has to be transformed because then you know who you are and then you understand what he's asking you to do. You are made in my image for my glory, for my pleasure, and in my presence, that's where you fulfill purpose. 
because your purpose is to glorify me. He says, build me an altar in the secret place and call me from that altar. Call me from that altar you have built. And remember what we said earlier, you be the sacrifice. You lay yourself down on that altar. All right. Okay. Um, in Hebrews 13, 15 to 16, even, even scripture tells us, offer up to God a sacrifice of praise. Offer, that, that's, that's a sacrifice, a praise. Offer up to him a sacrifice of praise. And um, it also says here um, in, in verse 16, do not neglect to do good, to contribute to the needy of the church as an expression of fellowship for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. We can't say sacrifices just for the Old Testament. It's not. The sacrifice that we is different in terms of we're not bringing animals and, and grain, but that we're, we're called to a life of sacrifice, a life of surrender. Okay. Um, and Romans 12, 1, it says, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies, dedicate yourself, set apart as a living sacrifice, holy holy, well-pleasing to God, which is your rational, logical, intelligent act of worship. Dedicating your life, living the life that God has called you to live, separating yourself from ungodliness, separating yourself unto him. All right, that's a sacrifice that's well-pleasing unto him. Okay. Thank you, Jesus. What is the glory of God? What is it? I'm not saying that I, I can fully describe it, but it's his worth. I remember, I think it was with the prayer team, it was a few years ago when we were still in, not St. Mark's, it was um, Great Portland Street. I heard a description about the glory of God, and it was his capability displayed. It's what he's capable of, and it's on display. Um, and that caught my attention, and I'm like, you know what, um, Lord, we actually said, Lord, we present ourselves, you know, hey, you know, display, display your capability on us. <laughs> but of course, there's, there's the, the other part, you know, you need to be surrendered, and that will come. Um, glory of God is all that makes him God, everything that makes him God, wisdom, power, love, presence, goodness, Judgment, mercy, deliverance, value, worth, everything that makes him God is his glory. Um, you know, we were singing, um, you were singing, you know, about his goodness. Um, and I had, I just was smiling because I wrote down here, I said, he showed Moses just one dimension of who he was, of his goodness. He says, hey, stay, stay, I'll show you my goodness. And he did. And what happened? Five books of the Bible were written. Just he showed one aspect of who he was, goodness, and suddenly we have five books, you know, about the Lord God. So there's no limit. You cannot tell what God will do in you, with you, through you, because he has shown you an aspect of him and you're, you're, you're surrendered. Okay. Then again, you know, um, even as the church, Ephesians 3.10 um, as the church, we, 
the church, we're called to make known the manifold wisdom of God to, to powers, to principalities, to rulers, to authorities. He, he's, he says, I want you to, to show them, you know, to make known my manifold wisdom to principalities, powers, to rulers of darkness. Ephesians 3.10. So now through the church, the multifaceted wisdom of God in all its countless aspects might be made known. Is that not amazing? He, he, he's going to use us to show his wisdom to principalities, powers, authorities, and even in heavenly places. Okay. How are you going to do that? Are you ready? Are you ready to show, you know, who, who he is? Are you ready to make known his manifold wisdom? Are you? If he says, okay, hey, um, are we? I know we cannot know all of God. And we'll, even in heaven, we'll continue to find out more about him because even there, they're like, every time they find something new, oh, holy, holy. But are we in any place ready to show forth his manifold wisdom, as he says? Okay, um... Every one of his names is one aspect of his glory. Every one of his names. Um, I won't go through, I, have, I just had three names here. Um, Yahweh Nisi, Yahweh Rafika, that's um, the healer, and Yahweh Jireh. I won't go through them, but um, I just wanted to say, um, I have a prayer group and... Um, in praying, we began to find out more, more names of God, not, not the names that were written in the Bible. Um, we found him as the one who was always there before we got there. Yeah, we, every time we come now, we say, hey, Lord, you're here. You got here before us. He was waiting. Another one came out of Eden's, um, Eden's miraculous healing the God of spontaneous recovery. That was the, re that was, those were the words on her medical report. We, we cannot, we don't know what's wrong. We just write it down, um, but she's healed. She's no more symptoms. So we call it spontaneous recovery. So we now call him the God of spontaneous recovery. Yep. Um, we also, found out in one day we were worshipping that he was the one who, who was, um, let me see how we put it, um, it was to do with the oceans, um, he was the one whose love is as vast as a shoreless ocean, an ocean where there's no shore, that means you cannot find the end of his love. And we also found, you know, another name for him and it was, he's the one who cannot be phased. Nothing. He's the one who cannot be taken by surprise. Nothing phases him. Nothing. Absolutely not. And you know, that's what he will do for you. He will reveal himself in that place of communion. He will reveal himself in different ways. You know, we're not limited by, by oh, don't get me wrong. His names in the word are awesome names. Don't get me wrong. But I'm just saying he will reveal more of who he is to you you know, in, in that place of communion. Okay. So I come back to the disciples. Okay, it's just a challenge sending out to us um, 
Jesus was with his disciples for a long time. They'd seen Lazarus raised from the dead. They'd seen the um, multitudes fed, bread multiplied. They'd seen uh, storms calmed. And then all that had already happened. And he said, "Um, hey, guys, who do you say I am? Um, Some say you are this. Others say, um, who, who do you say I am? He's going to ask us that. Who, who, who is he to you? Who do you say he is? Do you know him? All right. Um, and it was Peter who spoke. And what did he say? He said, yes, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. And what did Jesus say to him? He said, you didn't find that out by yourself. You found that out by revelation. And it's on that revelation that he's building his church. It's on the revelation of who he is. So uh, if we are the church and we are to be built, that we have to know him for ourselves. You, 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 can't, you can't say, oh, he's, he's Pastor Rod's God, or Deji's God, or you know, um, David's God. You have to get to know him. And so there's no way out. Intimacy, a time you alone, naked before God, nothing hidden, is absolutely vital to us. Absolutely vital. And if we want to see the manifestation of his glory in the midst of us, where one word goes out and things change in people's lives, where, where people are raised from the dead like he, he did, we don't have a choice. Because we, it, it, that becomes corporate. Because if each one of us is intimately acquainted with him and know him, when we come together, tell me what kind of glory will be in our midst. You know, many times I used to say to the Lord, I wish I was there when the cloud, the pillar of cloud was visible and I could see it and know that God was there or the the pillar of fire was visible and I could see it. He says, but I'm there. I'm, I'm, I'm here. But you don't know me because you don't search for me with all of your hearts like Jeremiah 29, 13 says. He says, if you seek me, If you look for me, you will find me and know me if you seek for me with all your heart. No contamination in our hearts. Sincerely desiring, Lord, I want to know you. So, um, I won't keep you long at the end, I think. Um, Oh, one more thing, just to prove. Um, Paul, Paul knew God. He knew him. Paul knew the Lord in 2 Timothy 1.12. I love this. Um, 2 Timothy 1.12. Paul said, This is why I am suffering as I do. Still, I am not ashamed, for I know him. And I am personally acquainted with him whom I have believed with absolute trust and confidence in him and in the truth of his deity. 
And I am persuaded beyond any doubt that he is able to guard that which I have entrusted to him until the day I stand before him. Until you can make such a statement yourself, you haven't known him in the way he wants you to know him. And I'm speaking to me, I should say we, not you, because this is our pursuit. We want to know him. All right. Um, so um, I'm going to end this by saying um, nothing can compare to your own personal revelation of who he is. Other people's revelations will inspire us, make us jealous or, you know what, I want to know you in the same way. All right. David knew, knew God. He says he was a man after his heart. Elijah learned to hear the whisper of God. Moses was regularly in the tent of meeting. Joshua wouldn't even leave the tent of meeting when Moses left. He, he said, ah, I'm staying here. Yeah. Paul did a 180 degrees turn around with his life and fixed his gaze firmly on the Lord. You know what? My desire is that I want to take Enoch walks with God every day. What did Enoch talk to God about? And that was even before Jesus. How much more us? We have full access. What stops us? So my charge to us is let, let, let's take this. We've heard this. This isn't the first time you're hearing about getting deeply acquainted with God. It's not. David, almost every time he comes up here, he's telling us to do the same. You know, and, and I go back to Deji's word. If God says, this is what I have for you, we cannot achieve it if we are not deeply acquainted with God. So my charge again is get there. You know, come before him every day with heartfelt words. Worship, minister unrestrainedly unto him from your heart, not your head, from your heart. Not what you know now in your head or what's going on in your life, just from your heart. Come with a desire to know him. Um, and let, um, and don't, uh -huh, the other thing I wrote here was don't let others be, a, don't be ashamed to let others know how you love him. Because sometimes, you know, it, it's okay for me in the secret place. What of outside? Are you ashamed to tell people how much you love him or what he said to you this morning? They're going to laugh. Um, and when we truly seek him out from our heart, we, you'll find that your words will carry a great anointing, a powerful anointing. And you know what? Whether you know it or not, you will be attracting others to him just because you're willing to come, you know, to declare who he is outside of your secret place. But come to that place of worship, be the sacrifice on the altar, and come with total commitment to that place and singleness of heart. Okay, that's what I have to say. So can, can we pray?
Yeah. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. So, Lord Jesus, thank you for revealing yourself and being glorified in our midst. Lord, we want to come to you with, as we said, with an open heart, with singleness of heart we come. And we just say, Lord, we're sorry that we haven't sought you out intimately as we should have. We might have tried a little here, a little there. But Lord, we want to be determined from this day forth that we will make it our quest, that every single day we will seek your face. We will come before you. We will lay everything down. We will be the sacrifice on the altar, that we will come with unrestrained worship. We will just come to to praise you, to, to give you glory, to, to just bask in, in the fact that you created us for your pleasure. We will come to fellowship with you. We will come to tell you how much we need you, how much we love you, how much we want to know you, how much we want to know who we are. This is our determination from this day forward. But we need you to help us, Lord. Holy Spirit, we need you. We need you to draw us into that place. Lord, even as we make that determination today, Holy Spirit, whatever it takes, not just pull us, scream at us if you have to. Get us into that place. And Lord, we say, Lord, when we're there with you, Lord, we just, we, we want to hold nothing back. Whatever it is we need to change, Holy Spirit, help us change in our lives. So that truly our lives are yours, holy, that our mind is transformed, that we begin to discern, that we begin to hear your every word saying, turn to the left, turn to the right. Lord, that's what we desire, that's what we want. So thank you for creating that desire in us today. Lord, that we would, the first thing we do, some may be morning, some may be nighttime, some during the day, but that it's, 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 that would draw us, that intimacy, that delight in that place of intimacy will draw us daily into your presence, that we would carry your glory, be clothed in your glory. Lord, that, you know, sometimes we won't even need to speak and people will recognize your glory upon us. And that when we come together in CCF, that each one of us comes carrying that flame, come clothed in your glory, and that we would see mighty works even in the midst of us. So, Lord, come, help us. Help us, Lord. That's what we desire. And we know it's after your heart. So we thank you, Holy Spirit, for enabling us. In Jesus' precious name, amen. We believe you've really enjoyed this message. For further information, visit www.commonwealthchurch.org and feel free to join us on any Sunday 